This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Sierra Doctor. We begin with Harvest Hotline. Harvest Hotline brought to you by Amity Technology, Pivot Bio, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, and the North Dakota Mill. Pioneer sales, uh, seed sales representative Donnie Almers says there's still a little bit of corn harvest wrapping up in his area, but the majority of the harvest is done. So the sunflowers actually turned quite well. Even in the droughtier areas, the sunflowers are still good. I mean, even a ton in some of the very droughtiest areas. And uh, then on the upside, they were well in excess of 3,000 pounds in areas. Corn, it was good and bad. We had hail go through our area. And so there was guys with 100 to 130 bushel corn after the hail. Uh, so that was still pretty respectable. But, um, but then there was an area that got some August rains, and those people were in excess of 170, 80 bushels an acre of corn. And Almers is hoping the uh, recent snow uh, will absorb into the soil. So we're getting just a dusting of snow right now. It's windy. Um, but yes, it would really be handy to get some moisture. And, and at this stage, it's, it's getting a little bit colder now, obviously. And so how much of this moisture is going to actually soak in? I suppose it depends on what the uh, future temperature is, and that looks pretty cold as well. So, um, yeah, it's hard to know how this moisture is really going to play out for us. Much of the upper Midwest is still in a winter storm system. National Weather Service Bismarck meteorologist Nathan Heiner says it'll impact eastern North Dakota and Minnesota this afternoon. We're expecting the snow across the western central areas of the state to slowly wind down this afternoon, and especially this evening, but will continue across the east tonight. Uh, we also have some strong uh, north to northwest winds uh, across central and eastern areas of North Dakota and uh, that's why we have the uh, blizzard warning in place along with uh, various winter storm warnings and advisories also in effect uh, for today and uh, for much of tonight. After Friday, the temperatures will turn colder. Yeah, after the storm moves through, uh, we're going to see some of the colder temperatures we've seen this fall. Looking at lows on Friday night as the storm moves out, looking at pretty widespread sub-zero highs, anywhere from zero to 10, possibly as cold as 15 below in some places, especially those areas that received heavy snowfall uh, could get a little colder on Friday night. And then highs on Saturday, not much warmer. We're looking at highs in the low to mid-teens at the most across much of uh, the Northern Plains area. Um, after that, we, we're going to see a gradual moderation in temperatures as we head through the weekend into early to mid middle part of next week. National Weather Service meteorologist uh, Grand Forks-based Carl Jones says the storm system continues to creep to the northeast. The heaviest snow is expected to exit the area late tonight or early tomorrow morning. Probably more so early uh, tomorrow morning before sunrise. We still might see some lingering light snow and then those gusty winds will still be ongoing. Um, they won't be as strong, uh, at least the winds won't be as strong tomorrow as we will be, have been seeing today and into tonight. Um, but we still uh, should be seeing some uh, gusty winds, which could uh, maybe contribute to some, some uh, reduced visibility from minor blowing snow, um, maybe a little bit of drifting snow um, getting into tomorrow. But uh, for the most part, 
uh, blizzard conditions are not expected um, tomorrow. And that's Harvest Hotline brought to you by Pivot Bio, the North Dakota Mill, Amity Technology, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. From the Minnesota Ag and Food Summit in Minneapolis, visiting with CoBank Vice President Dan Kowalski. Dan, certainly we're looking at uh, relatively high commodity prices, high input costs. We had government payments this past year. What are some of those outside influences impacting this ag economy? Yeah, gosh, there are so many uh, that we're, we're now looking at, many of which we really have no control over. Um, they're, 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 these are, it's not good when you're worried about things that are kind of in the general news, right? And you're, you're looking on CNN or the Wall Street Journal, and you're hearing about negotiations about whether ships will be able to leave Ukraine or Russia to get fertilizer and grains out, out through the Black Sea, um, worrying about the rail situation, whether they will be able to come to an agreement before early December, before the deadline. Um, things that we're reading about Mexico, about Mexico not being willing to import GMO corn anymore, coming straight from their president. Um, you know, that's in addition to all the other things we worry about with, with the war in Ukraine, um, inflation still, still, although we've seen some, some better numbers here this week, um, still inflation is a problem, uh, and high diesel prices. I mean, the list goes on and on. There are plenty of things to be concerned about for, for the ag sector. Fed's been pretty aggressive on, ten, on interest rates. Do you see that continuing? I do. I, probably not to the extent that they've been they've been aggressive. I think we will probably see with the inflation numbers we got here on on Thursday. Uh, we will. I think what the Fed was trying to relay uh, when they spoke about a week ago was they're hoping to come down from the 75 basis points and move to a lower level at 50 basis points. This this reading, this CPI reading, may have provided that the the really the justification for that, and I think we're still going to see other rate increases as we get out into 2023. But perhaps of the you know maybe another 50 basis point and, and then go down to the 25s. Uh, so yes, not as aggressive, but they are still going to raise rates until they feel that. Uh, that there, there's been some weakening in prices on a trend basis. Uh, the biggest thing that I like to talk about when we see data like we caught, we got this week, is this is a one, this is a standalone data point. We do not have trends. We saw a data point like this in the summer. We need to be careful about um, you know translating this into something that it's not. That this is a trend. You know, we're safely getting getting down in lower inflation and draw a straight line, and we'll be somewhere much safer. Uh, something that the Fed is much more comfortable with by early 2023. That's definitely not the case. So I think the Fed will still be raising rates as we go into January and February, probably just on a, on a, you know, a, a much less aggressive basis. And they'll be looking for a chance to pause and stop and wait for the act, the work that they've done in raising rates, wait for some of those effects to catch up with them and see how much it's done. Dan Kowalski with us, Vice President of the Cobank Knowledge Center from Minneapolis, Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending November 3rd shows corn exports of 265,000 metric tons, 28% less than the previous week and 14% less than the four-week average. Net soybean sales of 795,000 tons are 4% less than the previous week and 35% less than the four-week average. Net wheat sales of 322,000 metric tons are 7% less than the previous week, 
but 3% more than the four-week average. Wheat export sales for the week ending November 3rd came in at 332,000 metric tons. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzalo says that is one of the better sales numbers so far in this wheat marketing year. And we've had a terrible year, year, so that's not saying much, but in the totality of things of what we're dealing with with the river system, I think that means a lot more. And I think the other thing we have to wait for, maybe until Friday's trade, is the dollar break. The inflation data came out. They're, they're really going after the long side of equities. The dollar's down uh, over 2%, one of the biggest declines I can remember in a daily move. And I think that just hasn't translated into the, into the grain markets at all at this point. And we are also, also starting to see some light 2023 sales. And I think that's something to really watch here as we get I've told clients as we get towards Thanksgiving and after Thanksgiving, we've really got to get those uh, those river systems back and the transportation system back for the corn and wheat and the sorghum, especially. And we still have the Pacific Northwest, but even that's kind of on the ropes with this potential railroad strike. So I think we really need to have no issues with transportation after Thanksgiving that the trade can count on so that we can rebuild our export base and really look at those 23 numbers. South Dakota's 2022-23 corn production is forecast at 656 million bushels. That's down 11%, according to USDA's National Egg Statistics Service in Sioux Falls. Corn harvested acreage is estimated at 5.25 million acres, down 4% from a year ago. The average corn yield is estimated at 125 bushels per acre, down 9 bushels from last year. South Dakota soybean production is seen at 197 million bushels, down 9% from last year. Harvested soybean area is at five, just over 5 million acres, down 6%. The average soybean yield is estimated at 39 bushels per acre, down 1 bushel from last year. North Dakota's corn production estimated at 386 million bushels, 1% more than a year ago, according to the National Ag Statistics Service. Harvested corn area down 26% from a year ago at 2.7 million acres. The average yield is forecast at 143 bushels per acre, up 38 bushels from last year. North Dakota soybean production estimated at 203 million bushels, 12% more than a year ago. Harvested soybean acreage, though, down 21% at 5.6 million acres. The average yield is estimated at 36 bushels per acre, 10 bushels per acre more than last year. And North Dakota sugar beet production is forecast at a record 6.5 million tons, slightly more than last year. USDA's National Statistics Service says harvested area is 249,000 acres, 12% more than a year ago. Sugar beet yield is estimated at 26.1 tons per acre. North Dakota's potato production is forecast at 22.3 million hundredweight, down 1% from a year ago. Harvested acreage is estimated at 73,000 acres, down 2,000 acres from last year for potatoes. And potato yield is estimated at 3,500 weight per acre, up 500 weight from last year. Calf prices have been optimistic compared to 2019 through 2020. NDSU livestock economist Tim Petrie says corn prices may be putting a glass ceiling, though, on the calf market. But these higher corn prices have funneled into feeder cattle. So when we look at those prices, we will see that they maybe are further away from setting records than the fed cattle side is just because, you know, uh, the old adage, change corn prices 10 cents, change feeder cap, fall calf prices a buck in the opposite direction. And so that's 
uh, help to put somewhat of a lid on cap prices, even though when they are higher than last year and expected to, to uh, go higher. And Petrie expects those high prices to continue throughout next year. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Election results have finished filtering in. Of the Red River Farm Network's listening area, Minnesota saw the most amount of movement with new positions elected. Minnesota Corn Growers Association Senior Public Policy Director Amanda Billick is still assessing the results of the election. But overall, uh, saw um, a change in the Senate, the state Senate level, um, from GOP control to Senate BFL. Um, and the Senate uh, DFL has a majority. It's a slim majority, but it's a 34-33 split uh, in the Senate. Uh, the House uh, kind of is the same, similar as it was two years ago. Still uh, with Democrats uh, in control of that body uh, with a split of 70 to 64. But the real story in some of this and the work that is going to be before us in agriculture and for a lot of the different groups that work in around the Capitol is there's a lot of new faces on both sides of the aisle. Billick says Minnesota corn is already at work stressing the importance of agriculture's agenda. You know, the combination of redistricting, uh, where you see a lot of retirements uh, from legislators who have been in the legislature for a while, and then some incumbents who lost on election night this last week. You know, we are going to have 68 new members between both the House and the Senate. Uh, it's a total, there's a total of 201 members between the two bodies. So we have 60 new, 68 new members uh, between the House and the Senate. And so that's a lot of new people that we need to get to know and spend time talking about agriculture and why agriculture is important to the state and build relationships with a, a lot of new people. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. Uh, December wheat Minneapolis is down five and three quarter cents, 932 and a half. March is down three and a quarter. Chicago December wheat's down four at 802 and three quarters. And Kansas City December wheat down four and a quarter at 925 and three quarters. December corn down 10 and a quarter at 654 and a quarter. March down 10 and a half, 660. January soybeans uh, down 29 and a half cents at 1422 and a quarter. March beans are down 29 and a half at 1427 and three quarters. And in Winnipeg, canola is down $8.10 a metric ton, 88340 Canadian. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.